Hello, everyone. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. Thank you so much for joining me here today. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah, and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here on the podcast every single Wednesday, and you are not going to want to miss it. We also upload the video version onto YouTube as well every Wednesdays, so make sure that you are subscribed. Now, if you guys have been keeping track, I told you guys about two months ago in the very beginning of 2024 that we were going to be dedicating each month to a different true crime category. January was the unsolved cases month. This month in February, we have done killer couples and scorned lovers, and this is the last case in February. So what that means is that next week in March, we are going to be starting a brand new category. I'm going to wait until next week to let you know what that category is, but let me know in the comments what you think we're going to be covering for the month of March. Now for today's episode, as you can tell by the title, today we are talking about the solved case of Chara and Henry Bryant. This truly is a brutal case. It is a twisted and brutal murder and it does fall under our category of scorned lovers and killer couples. So with that being said, let's jump right on into it today. Chara Bryant was born on August 31st, 1981 in Somerset, Kentucky to her parents, Joyce and Charles Witt. Chara worked as a certified nursing assistant and in 2002, she married Henry Bryant or William Henry Bryant Jr., who was born on October 5th, 1980 in Oneida, Tennessee to his parents, Henry and Margaret Bryant. This case takes place in Mount Vernon, Kentucky, which is a small rural community located in southeastern Kentucky, and that is where Chara and Henry Bryant raised their family together. Now, Henry and Chara had actually known each other for quite some time. They really did grow up together. They initially met in middle school, where they both attended Rock Castle Middle School and attended Rock Castle High School together, but it wouldn't be until later on in life where they finally started dating. Chara had a crush on Henry all through high school, but the two dated different people and even got married to other people as well. However, after those marriages did not work out, that is when Chara and Henry rekindled their romance and married each other on November 14th, 2002. Now, at the time that they got married, Chara did have three children of her own. She had a son and two daughters named Austin, Caitlin, and Brooklyn. And shortly after Chara and Henry got married, they had a daughter of their own as well named Madison. Now, the Bryant family was known to be a very close-knit, loving family. They did a lot of activities together. They went on family vacations together, and it really did seem like this family was happier than ever. Everyone who knew the Bryant family, specifically Chara and Henry, had very similar things to say about them, and it fell under the umbrella of Chara and Henry were a match made in heaven. It truly felt like both of them had found their soulmates. Henry was the traditional provider of the family. He liked to spoil his family and give them everything they needed, and when it came to Chara's relationship with the kids, she was the parent that also wanted to be the friend. She wanted to be there for her kids emotionally. She really wanted her kids to feel like they could talk to her about anything, whether that was something that they were dealing with or going through, whether that was simply just catching up. She really wanted to be that support system for her children. And for all things considered, she really was. 
Now, while the three older children were Chara's kids and the Bryants were a blended family, the three older children really seemed to get along with Henry just fine. They were younger when their mom got married and they were able to navigate a very good relationship with Henry. And so everything was going fairly smoothly. Now, in 2016, Chara's son, Austin, had started his first year of college while their oldest daughter, Caitlin, had just graduated high school. So you have Austin, he's off at college, Caitlin is just graduating high school, and Brooklyn at the time is about 16 years old, and she is watching as her older siblings are wrapping up their high school chapters and navigating the next phase of their life. And she was also very excited about what that looked like for her. Seeing her older siblings go through that made her excited for her future as well. Then Madison, the youngest daughter, was finishing up eighth grade and was looking forward to starting her journey navigating through high school. It was a really exciting chapter for everyone. Everyone was finding their new phases in life and very much looking forward to their future. Now, Brooklyn, who, like I mentioned, was 16 in 2016, she was at the age where she was really beginning to develop an interest in boys and dating. And one night while she was working at a fast food restaurant, she was working the drive through. And this is when a man named Christopher Evans drove through the drive through and the two of them began talking to one another. And after Chris drove off, the two found each other on social media and instantly began dating. It did not take long for Brooklyn to develop feelings for Chris. Being with Chris made her feel like she was finally growing up. She had a boyfriend and Chris, for all things considered, seemed like a very nice guy. People who knew him said that he was polite, respectful, a gentleman, and they were very happy to see Brooklyn with someone who was treating her so well. Chara and Henry were also very happy for Brooklyn. They loved seeing their daughters so happy. She seemed to be really enjoying her time with Chris. However, they did advise Brooklyn to proceed in this relationship with caution and to make sure that she was continuing to prioritize her schoolwork. Chara and Henry really emphasized to Brooklyn that they did not want her getting distracted by a new boyfriend when in their minds, they didn't think that this relationship was going to be one for the long haul. They didn't think that this was going to be the guy that Brooklyn ended up marrying. She was 16 and they really just wanted her to focus on what was important for her future. Now, every summer, the Bryant family would go on a summer vacation together. This was something that they all looked forward to every year. And it was really like a celebratory vacation to kick off the start of summer. And in the summer of 2017, the family of six packed their bags and went to Florida to celebrate their vacation and seemingly had an amazing time. The family ended up returning on June 7th, 2017. And on the morning of June 8th, so just the following day after getting back from vacation, Mount Vernon dispatchers received a 911 call from Brooklyn at 7.30 a.m. claiming that she had just discovered her mom and stepdad dead in their bedroom. According to Brooklyn, she claimed she woke up to take the dog outside, and while she was out there, she noticed that her parents' sliding glass door had been shattered and forced open, and that there was blood everywhere. Brooklyn said that she walked into the room and that is when she saw her mom lying dead in the bed and her stepdad Henry lying face down on the bathroom floor. 
Now, authorities immediately raced over to the Bryant house, and when they got there, they learned that Brooklyn, Caitlin, and Madison were all in the home at the time. However, Austin had traveled back to college the day before when they returned back from Florida. At this point, police escorted the three girls out of the home and transported them to the police station. However, unfortunately, all three of them had already seen the heinous crime of their parents' murder. Now, initially in the investigation, when police walked into Chara and Henry's bedroom, the first thing that they noticed was how brutal and violent this attack was. There was blood absolutely everywhere. There was blood on the floor. There was blood on the walls. There was blood on the door. There was blood spattered over the bed. There were bloody handprints on the walls, which indicated some sort of a struggle. And it was clear to authorities that both Chara and Henry had been shot. Now, when examining the home, police stated that there was no sign of forced entry in the main doorway of the home and that the only forced entry was the break in the sliding glass door of Chara and Henry's bedroom, which indicated that the attack was clearly targeted for only the two of them. Now, there was something very interesting that police initially noticed about the broken glass from this door, and that was the fact that investigators were able to determine that the glass had seemed to be broken from the inside out, not the outside in. They were able to determine this because most of the broken glass was sitting outside of the house, and police thought that typically, if you're going to be breaking glass from the outside, the glass is going to fall inside. It's going to fall forward, not backward. And that is when police realized that this door was more than likely broken from someone already inside of the house. This glass door raised a lot of questions because typically the Bryants left their home unlocked. They would not lock their doors. It was a very safe area. They never felt like they needed to lock their doors. It was one of those communities where everyone knows everyone and no one ever felt unsafe. So they never felt a reason to lock their doors. So because of that, it raised the question of why would someone feel the need to shatter this glass door when they could have just walked right in or they could have walked right out. Now, based on the crime scene, it had appeared that Chara had been shot first. She had a single gunshot wound to the head and was still lying in bed with her head on the pillow and the covers wrapped around her. And then Henry, on the other hand, had a trail of blood starting from his side of the bed, going all the way into the bathroom where he was found lying face down on the floor. Henry was found holding some sort of a towel to his face, which told police that he was possibly trying to aid himself from the gunshot that he had just received while simultaneously trying to run away. Now, back at the police station, this is when police wanted to speak to Caitlin, Madison, and Brooklyn to see if there was anything that any of them had seen or heard that night and really just get a better understanding of Chara and Henry to see if they had any enemies, if anyone would be out to get them, if there was anyone who would want to do this to them. Now, according to Caitlin, the eldest daughter, she claimed that the entire family had came back from their vacation in Florida on June 7th and that the entire rest of the night 
everyone was really just resting, unpacking, getting the house organized again, just doing the normal things that you do after you come back from a trip. Caitlin said that she fell asleep in her room listening to music with headphones on and that the next morning she was actually scheduled to go into work, but decided that morning that she wasn't going to because she wasn't feeling well. So when she woke up, she made the decision that she was not going to go into work and she went to go and grab her cell phone to call her manager so that way she can let them know that she wasn't coming in. However, right when she was about to call her job to tell them this, that is when Caitlin claimed that she heard Brooklyn screaming and when she ran out to see what was going on, that is when Caitlin also discovered Chara and Henry's bodies. Now, next, police spoke to Brooklyn, who again explained that she was taking the dogs outside in the morning of June 8th, and that is when she discovered the broken, shattered glass of the bedroom door, and when she walked over, she discovered the brutal murder. Now, Brooklyn claimed that she called 911 and waited with her sisters outside for police to arrive, and similarly to Caitlin, Brooklyn claimed that she didn't see or hear anything unusual the night prior. She said that she didn't see any cars in the driveway, there wasn't anything suspicious, there was no noise, and she didn't claim to hear any gunshots. So next, police turned their attention to Madison, the youngest daughter. Now again, Madison said that she also did not hear anything the night that her parents were killed. So at this point, police have two people that have been shot and killed in what was clear to be a struggle, and three people who lived in the home that not only survived, but also did not hear anything that happened that night. And really, this just raised more questions than it did answers. Now early on in the investigation, police spoke with Chara's mother, and this is when they learned that Chara had a brother named Cody. And according to their mom, there had been some tension between Cody, Chara, and Henry. Their mom claimed that about a year before the murders, there was a fight that broke out between the three of them because Chara owed Cody some money that she had borrowed from him. And this fight was at their mom's house, and the fight actually got physical. This got to be a very violent physical altercation between Henry and Cody specifically. And in this fight, Cody told Chara and Henry that he would kill both of them. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments.com Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. These days, you can't go anywhere on the internet without running into the most horrible takes. You know, your good old-fashioned homophobes or your self-proclaimed alpha males who are writing two-page articles titled How to Score the Perfect Female in 10 Days. If you are just as sick of these outdated takes as we are, you will love our podcast, Outspoken, hosted by me, Sam Collins, and my incredible partner, Shannon. We are an LGBT couple who have seen it all, been called it all, 
and are ready to take on the never-ending world of outrageous online opinions. Each week, we bring you the most ridiculous videos, hot takes, and hellbent news we come across on the internet. So come laugh with us as we dismantle outdated ideologies and tear apart the most confident idiots on the internet. On our podcast, Outspoken. You can follow and listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you are listening right now. So now when police hear this, they obviously wanted to speak to Cody. However, they learned that no one had seen or heard from Cody in several days leading up to the murder. Apparently, people who knew him claimed that he had packed up his pickup truck and drove off, not telling anyone where he was going. Police looked into Cody's background and saw that he actually did have a warrant out for his arrest in relation to a drug charge. But surprisingly, several days into the investigation, Cody himself actually reached out to police. He told them that he heard about the murders and wanted to assure police that he had nothing to do with it and was not involved whatsoever. However, he wasn't going to come forward or come in for questioning because he wasn't ready to turn himself in for this arrest warrant. Cody also said that he had been out of town trying to escape his past and that he did have a friend that could verify this alibi for him. Police ended up getting in contact with this friend who was able to confirm this alibi for Cody, saying that he was with Cody and what time Cody got there and what time Cody ended up leaving. Now, even with this, police were not completely satisfied. They weren't ready to wipe Cody as a potential suspect at this point, so they continued looking for him. They continued searching for him, and ultimately, they did end up finding him hiding out in a nearby town. Now, once Cody was in custody, he continued to deny having any involvement in his sister or Henry's death. He did offer to take a polygraph test, and he was very, very open with police. They ended up obtaining a search warrant to search his truck, however, found nothing in the truck that connected Cody to the murder, and ultimately, Cody was cleared as a potential suspect. So at this point, police now turn their attention back to Caitlin, Madison, and Brooklyn because police really believed that whatever happened to Chara and Henry, these three girls were going to help solve this murder because they were the only other known three people in that house, and they were also the three people that were closest to Chara and Henry. So around this time where police go back and speak to them again, Madison and Caitlin's stories stayed the same, but Brooklyn Brooklyn is now shedding light to what police believe could be a potential motive because up until this point, no one knew why anyone would want to hurt Shara and Henry. There was no obvious motive. However, now Brooklyn is bringing light to what she believed could be a potential motive reason. Now, according to Brooklyn, she claimed that Shara was selling drugs. She continued to say that Chara had been selling pills for quite some time and even had recruited Brooklyn herself into selling them with her. Brooklyn claimed that on their way back home from Florida, Chara made the family make a pit stop and Brooklyn accompanied her mom with a delivery. Now, when police heard this, it definitely made them start to wonder if this could be their motive. But their first question to Brooklyn was why Brooklyn wouldn't share this initially. And Brooklyn claimed that she didn't want to tarnish the reputation of her family or of her mother, and she didn't want to speak 
poorly on her mom. So at this point, police decided that they really need to dig deeper into Chara and really see if this motive holds true. However, police really struggled finding anything that would confirm that Chara was selling drugs or involved in anything like that at all. Police spoke to other family members and friends of Chara who claimed that Chara never sold drugs. And even though if this was something that Chara was doing, she more than likely wouldn't be going around and advertising it, police were really starting to doubt this because there was no evidence whatsoever that this was true. And so because of that, police now had to switch perspectives and really start to wonder why Brooklyn would lie. At this point, police start asking around to some of Brooklyn's friends to see if Brooklyn had mentioned anything to them about her mom selling drugs. However, none of her friends claimed to have any knowledge of this and claimed that Brooklyn never shared this information with them. Now, what Brooklyn's friends also told police was that her relationship with her mom and Henry was very rocky around the time of the murder. And her friends went on to explain that the reason for this was because of Brooklyn's relationship with her boyfriend, Chris Evans. Her friends explained that Chris and Brooklyn were in a very serious relationship, talking about marriage and their future, and things were moving very, very quickly. Now, there was one secret about Brooklyn's relationship that she was keeping from her mom and Henry, and that was Chris's age. Chris Evans was 22 years years old at the time that he had started dating 15-year-old Brooklyn. According to Brooklyn's friends, Chara and Henry had discovered the age difference in April 2017 and afterwards made Brooklyn call Chris on speakerphone and break up with him, which she did. Now, while Chara and Henry did believe that this was going to be the last of Chris and Brooklyn and that the two were going to stop seeing each other, they did continue to talk and communicate after that breakup phone call. As you can imagine, Brooklyn, who was 16 years old at the time, in her first relationship, her first feeling of being in love, getting told by her parents that she needed to break up with her boyfriend, this caused a lot of tension between her, Chara, and Henry. And instead of ending the relationship altogether, Brooklyn really just got sneakier with the ways that she would communicate with Chris. Now, as you can imagine, at this point, police wanted to speak with Chris Evans. So on June 12th, 2017, police went to Chris's house that he was living in with his grandfather. Now, according to police, Chris was very, very respectful. He was very open to talking to them and even agreed to voluntarily go down to the police station to continue answering more questions and for a proper interview. Now, one detective even described Chris as being the type of guy where if you were stuck on the side of the road without gas, Chris would pull over, he would help you get to the gas station, he would give you the gas, and then he would give you a ride back to your car. That was just the type of guy that he presented himself to be. And he was also seemingly very willing to help police. Now, Chris immediately denied having any knowledge about the Bryant murders. He explained that he knew Brooklyn's family for about two years, ever since the two of them started dating in 2015. And Chris confirmed that the reason for him and Brooklyn's breakup was because of the age difference between the two of them. Now, Chris explained that after the breakup, him and Brooklyn still remained friends and that Chara and Henry were okay with that, that they just didn't want the two of them dating. Chris claimed that 
that he actually had a great relationship with Chara and Henry and that Chara specifically was always very kind to Chris. She enjoyed having him around. And Chris said that the last time that he saw the Bryans was actually on June 7th, 2017, the day that they got back from their family vacation in Florida. He said that he went over to the house to help the family unpack and reorganize and get settled after their vacation. He said that he helped Chara put things away, that there were certain things on the higher up shelves that she wasn't able to reach. And so he helped her get to those specific spots and that he left the house in the early evening and everything seemed fine between the family. Now, after answering some questions, Chris was escorted back home by the detective. And once the two of them walked into the house, the detective noticed a 38 frame firearm gun underneath Chris's bed. Now, the detective asked Chris's grandfather about the gun, and that is when the grandfather said that it was a historical gun that had been passed down through the Evans family for quite some time. Now, the detective did make a mental note of this gun because in Chris's initial interview, he claimed that he didn't own a gun and had never even fired a gun before, so he did just put that in the back of his mind. Now, after this conversation with Chris, police then decided to go back to Brooklyn's other siblings and see if they could confirm what Chris was saying about the status of his relationship with their parents to see if they were really on as good of terms with Chris as Chris was saying. However, when police went to speak with Brooklyn's other siblings, they told them that what Chris said was not true at all all. According to Austin, Caitlin, and Madison, they claimed that Chris and Brooklyn were not allowed to see each other ever since their initial breakup. The three of them claimed that Chara and Henry did not want Chris and Brooklyn to be friends or have Chris come around the house. Chris was not someone who was welcome in the home or welcome to be seeing Brooklyn at all. And obviously, this was the complete opposite of what Chris was relaying to authorities. So this was really raising some red flags with them. Detectives began talking around to other people who knew Chris at this time. And specifically, they spoke with Chris's dad's neighbor. Now, according to this neighbor, he claimed that he had actually seen Chris practicing shooting multiple times before the murders. Now, again, as I mentioned earlier, Chris told detectives that he had never shot a gun. He didn't own a gun, none of it. However, according to this neighbor, he claimed that Chris had been shooting a gun. And when asked to describe the gun, the neighbor described the exact gun that was found in Chris's grandfather's home and even said that Chris had purchased this gun from his grandfather. So not only only as he's seen shooting this gun, but now police learn that the gun is in fact his. Now, at this point, police get a warrant to obtain the gun and also confiscated Chris's cell phone. When police asked Chris why he lied about the gun, Chris claimed that he didn't want it to look bad on him and didn't want police to think that he had something to do with the crimes when he didn't, so he figured it would just be best to not mention the gun. Now, when looking through Chris's cell phone, police tried to find any text messages between Chris and Brooklyn around the time of the murders on June 8th, but weirdly enough, when police went and looked at 
at the text messages, they found that all texts between Brooklyn and Chris had been erased before June 11th. So anything prior to June 11th was wiped and erased from the cell phones. They also obtained a search warrant to search through Chris's car. And when doing so, they did find what appeared to be traces of blood on the driver's seat. Police were able to cut out the spaces where the blood was found, and that was sent to the lab for forensic testing. Now, on June 29th, 2017, Chris went back into the police station for a second interview. And during this interview, the tone had changed. Things had shifted between police and Chris, because at this point, police were aware of multiple lies that Chris had told them. And during this interview, Chris was confronted about that. He was confronted about the lies that he told to police, the inconsistencies in his story, and the things that were just simply not adding up. They told Chris that they were going to give him one last opportunity to tell the truth, and this time, Chris's story changed. At this point, Chris looked down at the table for several moments before breaking down crying. After a few moments, he looked up at the detectives and said, I did it. When asked what he did exactly, Chris responded with, quote, I killed them. Chris then went into detail explaining how this murder came to be. Chris told detectives that Brooklyn came to him saying that her parents were being mean to her and how she was afraid that they were going to kill her. Chris claimed that it was Brooklyn who asked him to kill her mom and stepdad in order to protect her. On the night of June 7th, Chris claimed that he waited for the green light from Brooklyn after everyone went to sleep before driving over and parking a across the street from the home before walking into the house where Brooklyn herself let Chris inside. Chris claimed that the two of them walked over to Brooklyn's parents' bedroom, opened the door, and that Brooklyn turned the lights on in the room. He claimed that he shot Shara first before then shooting Henry. Chris believed that he missed Henry the first time because there was a definite struggle when it came to Henry's murder. He claimed that at one point, Henry actually got out of the bed and tackled Chris onto the ground before getting up and running towards the bathroom. At this point, Chris was able to get up and grab the gun and walk over to Henry and shoot him again, which was the fatal shot. There were also multiple details in Chris's account of what happened that night that were not released to the public. The public did not know about the cloth that Henry was holding over his face, and Chris had mentioned that. The public also didn't know that that Henry was found in the bathroom. They didn't know about where Shara and Henry had been shot, but Chris was able to tell them exactly where he had shot them, and those accounts happened to be correct. So at this point, police were 100% confident that they had their killer. Now, at this point, Chris was arrested and police wanted to speak to Brooklyn. So when police get to talking to Brooklyn, they tell her that Chris had given her up. He had explained everything. He told them what had happened and specifically told police that it was Brooklyn's idea to kill Chara and Henry. Now, it did not take Brooklyn long for her to admit that she was the mastermind in all of this. In Brooklyn's confession, police said that she was not very emotional at all. She was very monotone when admitting to everything. And police even asked Brooklyn if she was really that good, where she would be able to manipulate a 22-year-old man into killing her mom and stepdad. They really were wondering, 
What was it about Brooklyn that would make a 22-year-old man do this? And when asked that question, Brooklyn simply looked police dead in the eyes and responded with, yes, she was that good. Now, both Brooklyn and Chris were charged with two counts of murder, and everyone had a very hard time processing what was happening. As you can imagine, everyone in the community, family, friends, no one could fathom that Brooklyn and Chris would be capable of doing something like this. As I mentioned earlier, all the adjectives that were used to describe Chris were charming, kind, a gentleman. All of these very, very nice things were used and said about Chris. No one ever thought that he would turn in to a killer, but the evidence did not lie. Police were able to recover the deleted text messages between Chris and Brooklyn, which is where they were able to see very incriminating text messages between the two of them where they were planning the crime. Text showed at one point that Chris suggested that he stood outside and shot Chara while Brooklyn hit Henry over the head with a bat. That way, Henry would not be able to escape. The forensics on Chris's gun showed that there was blood that belonged to Henry on the gun. And it was that blood evidence that really was the smoking gun in this case, no pun intended. That was the evidence that the prosecution really needed. On April 12th, 2019, Brooklyn pled guilty to complicity to commit murder. And in exchange for this, she received a 23-year sentence for her role in these murders. Two months later, Chris Evans pled guilty to one count of burglary and two counts of murder, and he was sentenced to 60 years in prison. And that, you guys, is the case of Chara and Henry Bryant. These are the types of cases that really always leave me with a pit in my stomach. And I think the reason for that is because I could never fathom having to be afraid of your own family like that. No one ever thinks that their family is going to be capable of doing something like this. And while Brooklyn wasn't the one who pulled the trigger, she really was, as she self-admitted, the mastermind behind all of this. Your home is where you're supposed to feel safe. The Bryans didn't even lock their doors because that's how safe they felt. Yet little did they know that the culprit of their death was living inside the home with them. And not only that, but their own flesh and blood or even just Chara's flesh and blood. That's her daughter. Having the capability of wanting your mom dead and going through with planning that is truly a different kind of evil that I'm glad to say I will never understand. And there really wasn't a lot of evidence that was presented in regards to why Brooklyn was claiming that she was afraid for her life or claiming that her parents were going to kill her, that her mom and Henry were going to kill her, why she felt threatened. It really did seem from everyone else's viewpoint that this murder was the result result of Brooklyn not being able to date a man who was exceptionally older than her. It was the result of her being told no, her being told that she wasn't allowed to do something and it was her act of rebelling against it. That's not to say that Chris is any less guilty in this. Chris is also a 22-year-old man at the time who very well should have known that that is not the right thing to do. Very well should have known that that wasn't the right option, that there were other options that would have been better if he truly felt like Brooklyn was in danger, maybe getting her help in different ways, going to police themselves. But again, there was no evidence to prove that anything like that was going on. So it just, these, again, these types of cases always leave me with a pit in my stomach, but I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. So with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Killer Instinct. 
Again, if you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly every single Wednesday. You're not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new one for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye guys. Thank you.